Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm James Courtney. Tony Delberto. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Todd Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now, here's your host, Craig Revell. Should the two-day format be used more often? Yeah, you spend more time on the track during the day, which is what they want to see, and ultimately, um, you know, they're the people we've got to keep happy. Kelly's launched their Nissan engine. Uh, pretty special piece of equipment there. Full credit to Ryan Webb and our engineering team. And Frosty talks about the shakedown for FPR's Car of the Future. Just a shakedown, make sure we got all our fundamentals right. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Here's the news brought to you by Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Todd Kelly has launched the new Nissan Plower plant that will be in the Nissan Altimas in 2013. Kelly said that getting the engines to the unveiling stage is one of the proudest moments in motorsport. What you're about to see here isn't just an engine. This is an absolute masterpiece. Uh, You'll all agree when we pull the cover off it. It's probably the proudest moment uh, that I'll have in my 15 years of uh, being a race car driver when we pull the cover off this, except for when we pull the cover off the actual car, which is in the not-too-distant future. The twin overhead cam is based on a stock standard Nissan engine. Kelly talked about some of the early testing before the team had even secured the Nissan deal. This program actually started uh, early last year. We got an engine air freighted over from America uh, Nissan didn't know about this at that point in time. We're only about four or five months into what was over a 12-month negotiation process to try and get Nissan on board with our team and into V8 supercars. So we got the engine over from America, which was a top-secret project, to do a little bit of preliminary testing on it. Uh, it was all in view of our race team down at Moravan at the time, and we told all of the staff that it was actually a race boat engine just so that they wouldn't cotton on to the negotiations that we were having with Nissan at the time. Uh, we were so convincing that a lot of the staff actually started to get quite annoyed with how much time that we're spending as an engine department on my boat engine. So it worked quite well. Kelly is proud that most of the components bolted onto the car are being manufactured in their own workshops. All of the carbon fibre work on the engine uh, including the trumpets, which you'll see in a sec when I pull the cover off, was done just next door in our composite department. All of the CNC uh, covers, all of this stuff, has been designed and machined out of billet, uh, also in our machine shop, which is just two doors doors down. Uh, you can see the difference between what we took, uh, the standard VK56 that will come out in the new Nissan Patrol to create this engine, um, and it is an absolute masterpiece. The Sydney Motorsport Park round of the championship again trialled a two-day format. 
The V8 Insiders talked to a number of the V8 Supercars drivers and owners about how the event went. Here's what they had to say first to Jason Bright. Oh, I think it's a good thing. I, you know, I, I think our sponsors pay us to, to race and race on television and, and uh, you know, Fridays don't do that much for us, I, I don't believe, on, at these sort of events. I think they, they're an important factor of street events and, and, and uh, you know, some of our cornerstone events, but I don't believe that we have to be racing or practising on Fridays. You know, it doesn't draw any more money and cost the teams a lot of money in accommodation and everything, getting everyone there a day earlier. Um, and it would be it's better for the fans with the extra practice sessions on Saturday and Sunday because they get to see the cars for you know, an extra hour and a half if they just come Saturday and Sunday. It wasn't bad. It was pretty busy, actually. A real bit weird. You know, rock up Saturday morning, you haven't even driven the car. Um, so it was all crammed in. But uh, I don't think I'd want to see it much during the year, but I think a couple of the smaller events, I think it's a... Probably a good thing. I think the two-day format works. Format works. It's um, it's probably not about being at home or anything. It's probably works better for the fans. I mean, they they only have to be out here two days, and uh, obviously a lot easier than uh, coming out three days. But um, in terms of us on the track, you, you spend more time on the track during the day, um, which is what they want to see. And ultimately, um, you know, they're the people we've got to keep happy. Oh yeah, it's good. It's busy a uh, couple of days. But um, I, I think it was pretty good. It seemed to work to me. Does it save you money? Oh, yeah, well, it definitely, definitely does because we're running the three cars and all the people we bring here and everything. It's uh, n- another... Uh, you can cut a day out of what you're normally here for and so, so that sort of stuff. It definitely saves you money. Is that to the detriment of what you see on the racetrack or to the detriment of the performance you can get? No, it's not a detriment to what you see on the racetrack. Um, at all because there was no rookies in the uh, field today they've all done done you know races before <clears throat> I think it'd be much harder if you were bringing a young guy in but not not very often a young guy gets a start in the middle of the season anyway and following Jason Bright there was Will Davison Robbo Caruso and Ross Stone Mark Winterbottom has won the Sports Dad of the Year award the announcement on Sunday was a great surprise to the popular V8 star great way to spend Father's Day and um, you know, to be acknowledged for being a dad and, uh, and get great support from the V8 fans was it was really good. I got uh, got votes from both Ford and Holden supporters as well so um, it just shows how I guess passionate our fans are even though they don't want you to win on track they still uh, still voted for me and um, yeah, beat all the other codes so uh, yeah really um, yeah, great, great to get that award and Donate some money to charity. And of course, uh, how much do you put down to your starring role in Cars 2? Oh, I don't know. I think um, my boy is definitely a big fan of that movie, so um, it makes it easier when I have to try and uh, bait him for some some, uh, some of his time. But um, no, I think just our sport, you're surprised how passionate fans are, I guess. they. Uh, uh, I think we're very... Uh, into our internet, into the, the social media, um, you know, all that sort of side of it, which definitely, you know, helps with these voting contests. But, um, yeah, I was just really surprised how many Holden fans actually voted. But, 
um, yeah, not so much Disney fans, probably more the Holden fans. That was the, that was the straight off the back of your father's day. You didn't get too much time to relax because you've been up at Winton testing the Ford Performance Racing EcoBoost car of the future. Yeah, we uh, we had a couple of a couple of those testing, and um, we debuted the car of the future, which uh, which is great. We um, took it out and, and gave it a shakedown, and uh, that was its first ever run. So. Um, really, you know, a lot of work got into that car, and it was great to, to actually get it onto the onto the track and show the guys um, all their hard work. You know what uh, what the car can do, but um, really, it's just a shakedown. Make sure we got all our fundamentals right, and then we uh, we'll go out next week again in that car and do a proper test day and and really, you know, hit the track in anger. But um, mainly shakedown, and also we did some laps in the current car to obviously try and get it right on the hard tyres for Winton because, uh, sorry, for, for Sandown because we haven't been on the hard tyre purely for uh, for a whole round for a long time now. So um, we've got a good set up there and, and debuted the new car. So it was a you know, pretty good day. One thing that Frosty did get up to was a special test for V8 supercars on the transaxle cooler. It was. It's, uh, it's to benefit the category, obviously. We um, uh, trying to make sure that all the temperatures are right and all the control components are in, the, you know, in everyone's car, so it benefits everyone. But um, unfortunately, that didn't mean we got extra tyres to put on the car and do long runs and actually have a feel. We weren't allowed to change the car, um, so just did 20, 20 lap runs each time on a tyre, which has probably done 400 kilometres, and you probably wouldn't put on your road car to drive on. They were pretty average, so, um, yeah, just pretty well... Uh, beneficial for the category that was the, that was the purpose of the laps but obviously nice to sit in that car and make sure it could do those laps and um when we start next week it uh, puts us in better shape we hear more from frosty and his teammate will davison on this week's white flag lap talking car of the future we caught up with john bow this week and i asked him what he thought of a new car for the v8 supercars and finally, congratulations to Scott McLaughlin and John O'Webb, who won the Father's Day 400 in Taupau, New Zealand, in the first ever enduro for the V8 Super Tourers. And that's the news for Nobrac Carbon Fibre Products. Check out the entire range at www.nobrac.com.au. That's N-O-B-R-A-C dot com dot A-U. After the break, Grant Rowley and Stefan Bartholomeus join me on the V8 Insiders. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 Supercars. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, it's the Speed Cafe crew of Grant Rowley and 
Stefan Bartholomeus. Good evening, guys. G'day, Craig. G'day, Stefano. G'day, boys. How are we? Well, we're doing quite well. Not as well as you, of course, who's just been back from the night race at Bristol. Of course, uh, Irwin Tools sponsor that. Irwin Tools sponsor a car in the V8 supercars. Can you make a comparison for us, Stefan, particularly for the people who haven't been to a NASCAR race or a, a V8 supercar race? Well, naturally, being an American sport, everything was just on another another level in terms of colour and noise and buzz. Um, my previous NASCAR experiences were all at Adelaide International Raceway in the mid to late 90s, so uh, it was certainly a lot different to that. But, um, yeah, as I said, it's um, it's on another level. Uh, it's a different sport as well, really, than V8 Supercars. Oval track racing is not, uh, not for everyone, but... Uh, Certainly for a lot of the U.S. sports fans, it's the perfect package of you just sit there in your grandstand with your Coca-Cola and your hot dog and you just watch it all unfold in front of you. So um, certainly an experience. My experience at NASCAR, Grant, was that in most sports there's a, a place that you would go to and normally it's sort of the infield where it's a bit rough and tumble and then you've got a, a lot more respectability up in the grandstands. My experience was it was the exact opposite at NASCAR. The people in the motorhomes and having the barbecues were far more civilised than the people who were up in the grandstands. I was scared a few times when I went past and up into the grandstands when I was at races there. I know you've been to Daytona. How did you find that experience? I actually found the Americans in general, not just the NASCAR fans, but uh, all of the Americans, extremely friendly. Um, I know at the at the racetrack, if you were walking towards a door which needed to be open and someone else was coming through it, they'd wait there for uh, they'd wait there for fifteen seconds uh, for you to uh, walk on up to the door. Uh, in Australia, they'll just uh, sort of slam it in your face more more often than not. But um, uh, look, I, I, like they're um, they're very very uh, uh, loyal and um, and and hard and race fans. And, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few of them who are a little bit uh, rough around the edges there. But, um, but you know, no different to what you see at uh, V8 Supercar events or even AFL or NRL events. There's uh, all different sorts of walks in life. It's just, you know, obviously there's uh, a lot more Americans in general and uh, a lot more people who go to, to uh, NASCAR events. So you get a, uh, a pretty wide range of uh, different creatures attending. Stefan, does V8 Supercars need a, a Bristol, a, a Coliseum-type race? Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's got its own marquee events. The atmosphere at places like the Clipsal 500 is, is pretty special. Um, I don't think you could quite create the same uh, Coliseum atmosphere that Bristol has at any, uh, any road course. So uh, it's a difficult comparison, but uh, you think of Adelaide and you think of across the top of the mountain at Bathurst as well, uh, talking about wild creatures that uh, Grant just so eloquently referred to. Uh, there's a few up there as well. So, um, yeah, I guess they're, they're different categories and they've got their own uh, marquee events. Mm. All right. I reckon uh, just bank Queensland Raceway. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly got the uh, right shape to start with. Guys, interestingly, Stefan, you're a bit of a technical man. What did you think of the launch of the overhead cam Nissan engine for 2013 today, uh, this week? Not sure I can live up quite to the technical man uh, label, but, um, yeah, the launch was obviously uh, very professionally done, as you would expect from Nissan and from Kelly Racing. 
it was inside the new part of their facility there in Brayside, in uh, actually in the engine room, which was a, a nice touch. Uh, Todd Kelly uh, was really the uh, the front man for it, and so he should be. He's put a lot of effort into uh, into that program. He was there in the workshop on the weekend, screwing the engine together before it was revealed to the press today. So, um, yeah, it's. Um, it's a milestone in the project, revealing it to the press, but uh, there's still a long way to go. They, they're still about two weeks away from uh, putting it on the dyno for its first testing, and they'll go through a durability process with it and then work with our supercars to make sure it's it's equal with the Ford and the Holdens. So um, there's still a way to go, but it's uh, it shows that they're on their way. Mm. Two things I thought were interesting with the launch today, Grant, was one that they had actually brought an engine in last year just to see if they could get an engine to work. And two was the fact that they are building a lot of these components at their Brayside workshops. Uh, for sure. Look, they're leaving no stone unturned. And um, I guess uh, Todd was uh, quite uh, emotional, I suppose, and, uh, and, and pretty proud of uh, the effort that has uh, and, and the result that they've got with his uh, shiny new engine that they took their black cover off. And of course that engine grant is going to be given to V8 supercars so that they can keep it as the model for all the other engines they're going to build in the future. Yeah that's right I, I believe the way it'll go and, and Stefan might be able to clarify this if I if I mess anything up here but um, I believe they're going to uh, take the engine and uh, and sh- and rip it apart, basically, and keep the uh, keep the majority of the components in there and, and use them as the baseline, I suppose, for the uh, for the components that will be uh, hom- homologated for the for the car for for competition. Uh, but I think Todd would say he's quite attached to that engine, so I think he uh, he wants the main bits of it back. Mm. Of course, being a stock engine, it's going to be in the patrols launch next year. Is an interesting concept, and uh, of course. Todd was uh, perhaps suggesting that more of the manufacturers and other manufacturers coming in are definitely going to want to go that way, Stefan. Yeah, well, when we say stock engine, I mean the, the block and cylinder head is, is the basis of what's used in the patrol, but uh, naturally it's uh, it's a pretty thoroughbred race engine by the time it's going to be slipped into the Ultimates, and it's the same engine that um, won the GT1 World Championship in uh, 2010 or 2011, one of those two years, with uh, with those teams over there, so um, it, it's got racing pedigree. Uh, in terms of Ford, Holden, or any other manufacturers using uh, road car-based engines, it does have its its niceties for um, for marketing purposes. Um, it'd be an expensive expensive thing for um, Ford or Holden to do that in the in the short term. Ford seem to have made more positive noises about introducing the Coyote engine into their racing program, but um, uh, yes, yeah, some of their uh, commitment to their supercars is a question mark in the sort of uh, medium term there. So I'm not sure if anything's immediate, but certainly I wouldn't expect any manufacturers to join the championship with anything but an engine based on something from their road car family from here on. Mm. Now, uh, of course, Grant, the other technical thing that was happening this week was uh, on Monday and Tuesday, Ford Performance Racing unveiled their EcoBoost car of the future and uh, we heard in the news Frosty Winterbottom saying that he was doing a lot of testing and development, uh, 80 extra laps in fact, in 20 lap blocks for the uh, for the 
transaxle cooler tests uh, and obviously all that information going straight back to V8 supercars. Yeah, actually, I, I, uh, I only just recently spoke to uh, Rick Kelly about that, and he was very, very interested to uh, understand exactly how much uh, data they're able to keep from that um, immediately. Uh, FPR's rivals are, uh, are straight on to, um, you know, is that a, uh, is it an advantage for them to have it? But look, I, I guess um, with such a huge change to what these guys have been used to, uh, any sort of extra data that can be given to V8 supercars uh, and all the teams uh, will be handy because uh, look, Triple Eight had some issues um, with its uh, with its transaxle uh, at um, uh, at Queensland Raceway and also during its shakedown run at Norwell uh, in early August. Um, Triple uh, FBR were having a, uh, similar issues, or I suppose at Winton during the week. So uh, a um, uh, yeah, a big uh, a big learning curve for everybody, and uh, I suppose V8 used the opportunity of one of these new cars being out on the track uh, to uh, to gather a little bit more data. And it's easy, like even though we're we're only September now, we're coming up to a pretty hectic end to the year with uh, the end of the regular season, and it's not going to be too long until um, the Clips of 500 rolls around and. There's supposed to be 28 of these new things, and the, you know the last thing the category wants is um, uh, 15 of them uh, not finishing because of uh, because of uh, drama. So the, uh, the the more they can work together, as much as they don't want to work together at any point, uh, certainly the teams, um, you know, the, as much as they can do to help each other, I think will will uh, be of the great for greater good. Mm. Now we need to take a break here on the Vert Insiders but I want to pick up that point of mechanical failures after the break. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining me, Stefan Bartholomeus and Grant Rowley. Guys, uh, interesting you were talking about there, Grant, before the break, uh, about V8 Supercars not wanting mechanical failures. I was thinking to myself uh, this afternoon, just, gee, now these cars are built so well and they finish so regularly, we you hardly ever see a mechanical failure. And now a mechanical failure is a real shock, particularly to a front-running team. Would a new format where we put the cars under more strain, and I know Paul Morris is a great advocate of let's shorten these race meetings even further and just perhaps do the NASCAR thing of one big race a weekend, do we need to actually get back to the stage where mechanical reliability is a factor in who wins races? I think there's going to be some major mechanical stuff going on next year and it's going to be brought about uh, by the regulations and I guess uh, you know the teams who are um, who are switched on are the ones who are going to uh, uh, going to do well next year regardless um, 
and the um, the ones that aren't are, are going to have are going to have some strife. But um, um, you know, in, I don't know. I'd be a fan of having one one race uh, one race meetings, I guess, or one race events. Um, but I don't know if I'd be a fan of seeing cars uh, fall by the wayside. I'd be uh, quite happy to see 28 cars finish um, every single race, um, save for the ones that end in the fence. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I guess I don't want to see cars falling off because of mechanicals. I want to see good racing, and that's, what is, uh, that's what's going to um, get more people excited about, uh, about the sport. Mm. Stephen? Yeah, I just uh, wanted to firstly just point out for everybody uh, what we're talking about there with these transaxle overheating issues. Nobody that I've heard of has uh, really been complaining about the Albans transaxle unit itself. That's the uh, pretty widely uh, accepted as a, as a very solid bit of Australian engineering. It's just how it's been packaged in the V8 supercars chassis that's uh, the issue in terms of cooling. So... Um, People aren't slamming the gearbox for uh, causing dramas. It's just uh, something that they're, they're working on a solution with its packaging. So, uh, in terms of mechanical failures, I mean, yeah, it, it's not just about supercars. If you look at Grand Prix racing, if you look at the history of the Indy 500 or, or any of those things, uh, certainly as we've um, we've made the box a lot smaller in which the engineers can work in, and we've uh, got regulations that um, really ask for reliability. We're seeing that variable uh, not uh, not prop up as often. Um, it's it's one of the entertaining things about motorsport is the fact that things can go wrong mechanically, and uh, you never know. It could be the last lap of a Grand Prix and and someone just breaks down. But uh, so in in that way, it adds to the show. But um, I'm not sure if you could really really be designing regulations around trying to. Uh, tear up equipment I think that maybe is a bit expensive and it wouldn't get much support from uh, from anybody involved unfortunately there's more chance of getting it now that that supercar team owners don't own the series fully than it would be at any other time in the history of the sport that's for sure guys we're going back to Sandown what do you expect from the race the crowd the championship Stefan uh, any other questions in, in that uh, in that one big question there? Um, in terms of the race, I mean, it's uh, it's great. I, personally, I think it's great to see uh, the 500 format back at Sandown. It's uh, got all that heritage, but it's also it's also a great racetrack for endurance racing. So um, I think this year, and close to home, it's always nice to uh, to sleep in your own bed before going to the racetrack. But um, I think. This year we're really going to see the fruits of the rule that uh, requires uh, drivers to stay in their own cars for these endurance races because really if um, Will Davis and Mark Winterbottom paired up and if Jamie Winkup and Craig Lowndes paired up like you could in the old days, then there would only be two cars in the race. So I think it's going to really be a battle of, of those four cars. Um, and, yeah, well, it's hard to pick a winner from there. In terms of, in terms of crowd... Um, it often depends on the weather at Sandown, what they'll get. I think last year the three-day crowd was about um, 49,000, 50,000, something of that nature, and um, probably wouldn't imagine the the 500 format would change that a lot. But last year we got um, very hot weather on the Friday and then uh, and then rain on Saturday, so we might uh, see a bit of an increase, uh, increase in numbers from last year. Of course, the big thing there is there will only be one game of football 
on in Melbourne, Grant, and that's critical to uh, the success of the Enduro event when it's in this finals period. Yeah, for sure. That was the point that I was going to bring up was that uh, the footy will be uh, being obviously finals time and I'm sure the papers will will still very much be... um, focused on the footy but uh, there's just not going to be that many games to uh, go to and I think even um, even uh, club footy and uh, juniors footy is all uh, all wrapped up now as well or, or close to wrapped up so uh, the the uh, little kidlets and their uh, their dad will uh, won't have too many excuses uh, save for the weather and look of course um, you know Melbourne can um, can can bring anything, um, and we've seen a lot of wet Sandown 500s. Uh, I think uh, what we were racing in Melbourne in November last year, and it was wet as well. So uh, look, it, you know, it'll it'll bring anything, but um, we've seen a lot of exciting Sandown 500s. So um, and with the closeness of uh, as Stefan was saying, those top four cars, and uh, look, I would don't discount those uh, the Walkinshaw racing. Uh, machines as well. They might not have that uh, outright pace, perhaps, but um, some strange things can happen in these two driver races. So, uh, uh, you know, it's certainly uh, it's good for the 500 to be back at uh, what many call its traditional home, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's been a tough year for Tony Cochran, hasn't it, Grant? Never ever go back to Eastern Creek, and they were back there the week before they went to a fight the the race before they go to a 500 at sandown which was never going to happen um yeah well i guess in um in tc's defense there uh the split the original split with eastern creek was with its former management um and I guess uh, things have changed and, you know, certainly being at Eastern Creek uh, last week, not all of us were fortunate enough to be over at Bristol. Uh, but at Sydney Motorsport Park, it was a, um, uh, they, you know, they put a lot of effort into uh, making the place look better. It's obviously got the track extension, which the V8 supercars weren't on, but for good reason. Uh, you know, slight redesigns with the track. They've, uh, they've tipped a lot of money and a lot of effort into... Uh, making um, the track formerly known as Eastern Creek as, uh, as as good as it's ever been in its um, in its 30, uh, 22, 23 year history. Uh, so for me, it was great to go back there, and uh, I guess time will tell. Uh, certainly, in the next couple of months, when the uh, 2013 calendar gets announced, whether we're going back there again. But I guess that might uh, the major uh, effects might be um, whether we're doing the uh, Sydney Telstra 500, which of course runs uh, out of its its contract at the end of this year or end of next year. Someone help me with that. Well, it's supposed to be in August next year if you believe what we're being leaked. Um, but I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's not, this one's the last one. The other thing I've heard, and I don't know if you guys have heard, but they're also not talking about having any big concerts in the main stadium at ANZ Stadium. Uh, yeah, look, uh, reporting on um, the bands that play at racetracks is uh, one of uh, the things that Speed Cafe steers <laughs> generally clear of. Uh, they don't generally get a lot of uh, clicks on um, off the website, and uh, I think we'd rather focus our energies on uh, finding out who's driving what and who's doing what, <laughs> rather than uh, promoting 
other people's uh, concerts. All right, let's uh, say then, just finally in the last uh, minute or so of the show, Grant, who's not going to be on the grid next year? From this year's uh, Van Supercars field? This year's grid, yeah. Wow. Um, that is something I really should have thought of uh, before. Um, oh, there's, a possible, there's a couple of question marks, and I don't want to uh, you know, absolutely tip, uh, tip anyone in it. Come on, uh, put a nail in someone's coffin, Stefan. Can't we, can't we try to think about who might join the field? That would be a, a lot sunnier uh, conversation. Yeah, but it comes at the expense of one person or two people. I, I look, I guess the, the vulnerable people, I suppose, for sure, will be uh, will be Michael Petruzzi in the second techno car. Uh, I think he's done a pretty good job this year, and uh, John O'Webb qualified second. His teammate qualified second at Eastern Creek. But I think uh, Petruzzi still runs uh, ahead of his teammate. They're running 19th and 20th. Uh, they might have even jumped up a couple of spots after Sydney Motorsport Park. Unfortunately, Michael's position you know, might come under threat if the team uh, decide to go for what they've asked and what they've said publicly in the past is that they want a driver of a, of a championship-winning uh, sort of ability to, um, to push the, the uh, you know, John O'Webb along. And uh, look, again, Michael's done a, a, a terrific job this year. But uh, he might seem one of the vulnerable ones, and I guess the other one uh, is Greg Murphy. Given that um, uh, you know the Kelly Racing team switching to Nissan, he's got a long relationship with Holden. He's just coming off the back of a back injury uh, and an operation. Um, the endurance races will be pretty crucial to uh, to sort of see where he goes. And uh, you know, there's sort of been not much uh, smoke about where he might end up for. Uh, for 2013, um, and yeah, for me, it's a uh, poorer sport without a competitive Greg Murphy, and he hasn't really been competitive um, in the past few um, past few times he's he's been in the car, and I guess that's a byproduct of Kelly Racing really struggling at the moment. Um, Can I give? So I'll give Stefan because he hasn't a really said short much. Answer, and I've probably given a really long <laughs> yeah. one, but those two guys uh, for me are seem a little bit vulnerable and you know when when you also got to think about the uh, the likes of the David Walls and the Taz Douglases both of them first time uh, first year V8 supercar drivers so they could potentially um, you know depends what their teams decide to do and and sponsorship will also weigh into that as well so uh, there's, there's a couple of guys who um, who we might not see next year mm, I'll give you a soft target Stefan since you didn't want to Russell Engel He's had a big question mark over him, but it seems like Super Cheap might keep him there. Do you think he's got another year? On the basis of uh, of the last two events, uh, he should be getting a lot of phone calls for his services, I, I would say. But, um, yeah, certainly, um, certainly there would have been people expecting that this would be his last year, but um, he's shown that uh, when all the ducks line up, he can still get the job uh, relatively done. So... Uh, yeah, I think um, he's got a strong relationship with Super Cheap, and uh, he, he could go around again. Mm, it's interesting times ahead for the uh, V8 supercar driver market. Always interesting to catch up with you guys. Stefan, thanks for your time. Thanks, Craig. Grant, always a pleasure to catch up with you as well. No worries, thanks. On the white flag lap this week, Will Davison sets a new V8 supercar world record for cliches. Make sure you have a listen to that. 
You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this week's White Flag Lap, Will Davison is a great guy to talk to. And after Sydney Motorsport Park's racing, I caught up with him. And I think he has inadvertently achieved a new V8 Supercars world record for the most cliches in an answer. See if you can keep count. Well, Davo, as we head off to the San Elm 500, what are your uh, goals and what are the realistic expectations for the next two endurance races? Uh, we've got to use them to our advantage if we want to win this championship. That's where we've got to get the points back. Um, so, yeah, we've... we've dropped the ball a bit the last few races uh we're still there though so certainly no need for panic um so i go to sandown you're very very confident uh, that it's a great circuit for fpr cars uh really suits the style of our cars i think the last few circuits probably you know obviously our cars have been good but not good enough so uh i think hopefully that's one if we can't win there um you know yeah, we can't win anywhere, so that should be a good circuit for us. But it's obviously an endurance event as well. Need a lot of things to go into our hands. Uh, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. So, um, you know, we've got to try and take advantage of uh, every opportunity. And, uh, you know, if, as I said, the championship's really going to be uh, shaken up in these next few races, possibly. So, looking forward to it. We've got to go in with quite an aggressive approach. Uh, I went into this weekend with an aggressive approach. We weren't fast enough, simple. So... It's all good and well saying that, um, but it's not fast enough at the moment. But uh, if the cars are quick at Sandown, we've got to we've got to we've got to get some points back in these endurance races if we want to win. So uh, yeah, looking forward to the enduro. As I said, it's a chance for things to really be shaken up, and hopefully we we come out on the right end of it. Yeah, that's right. Nineteen in a minute and seventeen seconds. Well, I think it is safely a world record that's going to be hard to top. Now, his teammate, who spent Monday and Tuesday testing the car of the future at Winton, well, he talked to me more about that test, and particularly about the V8 supercar development on the transaxle cooler, where you're doing a lot of laps, but not actually trying to go faster. No, it's not. Um, as drivers, we'd be happy if we got new tyres every time we went out, so, but uh, we are high maintenance at the same time, so... Um yeah, I think they're not the, not the most enjoyable days, but they've got to be done, and a lot of guys um, don't want to do it, but it's beneficial. You have to do it, and um, yeah, sometimes those painful ones that you that you think are uh, hard work are the ones that benefit the most, so uh, you've got to grit the teeth, do it, and get the most out of it, and um, you know, anytime you can drive a bit, supercar, and you know, that, that's part of your day's work. It's a pretty good day, so you can't complain too much. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, that last quote you gave me about drivers being high-maintenance, I know there's two people that love to uh, get that quote, Tim Edwards and, of course, your lovely wife, Renee, and uh, they'll probably remind you of that a few times once they hear it themselves. Oh, I didn't mean me. I meant all the other blokes. <laughs> Frosty. <laughs> Always a pleasure to catch up with you on the show and wish you all the best for Sandown. The return of the Sandown 500, does that have any special place for you? Well, it does. It's uh, My first ever race win was at the Sandown 500 in 2006, so um, it's, uh, yeah, definitely a special place. I'm 
I'm definitely a, a fan of uh, of the 500 being at Sandown as opposed to Phillip Island. I think it suits the the, the track and the race better than what Phillip Island did. So, um, yeah, it, it's a special place. Get to sleep in your own bed. Um, and, yeah, I think it provides better racing. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it. I think they've got it right this year. Sandown 500, um, Bathurst 1000. That's how I always was sort of brought up and uh, watching it and... Um, yeah, I think we got it right. That should be good. Frosty, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks, mate. Definitely no records there, but my thanks to Frosty. Also to Grant and Stefan. That's all we have time for on another week on the Dia Insiders. The checkered flag waves. Keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.